0: I met Gary and Anna about three years ago uh, as we were uh, just moving into the neighborhood. I got involved volunteering around our parks and uh, got invited to some meetings to talk about a new parks uh, conservancy, a group of people to, to look over and help manage <laughs> volunteerism in our parks and things like that. And I was at a meeting where Gary and Anna were at. And I remember uh, the first time I met them, Anna kind of came up to me and, and as we were talking, She did not really know who I was. We were, again, first time meeting. And she even, as we were talking about doing things in the neighborhood, she goes, she kind of said to me, she said, uh, I heard that there's a pastor in the neighborhood who is... uh, who's, like, helping with the parks, have you met him? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I have, that's me. And she was like, oh, really? And she kind of had this look on her face, like, you're a pastor? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I am. But uh, And I remember, like, part of the conversation, she was like, well, you know, I'm not really, I don't believe in God that much, or things like that, so we probably won't be friends. And I'm like, I don't know about that, we'll do that. But anyway, as we were leaving later on that night... Uh, that Gary and Anna left and I left and I remember Gary telling me this story as they were heading to the building, they lived in the Avalon building at the time. And unbeknownst to them, I lived in the Avalon building at the time. And I'm following them. And Gary's like looking over down. and like, why is this guy following us? Who is this guy? And so finally, we like, he's about ready to turn around and be like, stop it, you know, get away from us. And uh, we realized we live in the same building. And we sat that night down in the lobby of that building and ended up talking for about 30 or 45 minutes. And God just began a good friendship uh, there in those moments. And it's been exciting. For me, just to get to know Gary and Anna over the last few years, and uh, I count them as some of our dearest friends uh, now in our lives, and we're so glad to have them here. So, I'm gonna invite them to come on down, and uh, you guys welcome them as they come. And just to give you uh, a bit of a background as they come in and and get settled. You know, as I mentioned before, uh, a few months ago, uh, Gary had a a very challenging opportunity with a a heart attack. I mean, he—I got a call and. rushed to the hospital and found out the carrier had a heart attack, and we're going to tell more about that, but uh, I really wanted them to share this story, and it fits so well with what we're doing right now, this series that we've been in on how to have the best year of your life, and if you were going to say, okay, how do you have the best year of your life, let's have a guy talk about a heart attack, you know, that's not typically where we go, but the fact is, even in spite of circumstances, we can have a great year, because it's not based on. Are what comes into our lives, but how we react and how we respond to the circumstances. And so, uh, we're going to start a little bit uh, just talking about this. I'll let you guys get let me lower. this for you. <laughs> Anna is like she was like, Can "Please get as close to the microphone as possible." So, um, as we start, guys, I want to I want to start with a verse that I think as I think about you guys, just really. You know, it just came to my mind, this passage out of the book of Acts, and it's up here, and it says, God created all the nations of the world. He determined their boundaries and their placement in history so that they should seek after him and perhaps search their way toward him and find him because he is not far from any of us. Both of you come from very different... Ethnic backgrounds, social backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds. Can you, before we get into the story of like what actually happened with a heart attack, can you guys have us, give us a little background on just kind of your stories and your journeys up to that point? Okay. I'll
1: start first. Go for uh, it. Thank you very much, Patrick, and very good morning to everyone. In fact, very peaceful morning here. Um, before I answer your question directly and give some background, I just want to thank the members of the church, for their prayers during this very difficult trial that Anna and myself faced. And um, not just for your prayers and your well wishes, but I want to acknowledge a few people who went even further and they were able to come to the hospital to visit me and to support Anna. And as I I look around in in the group, I'm seeing Mike. He was able to make it there. I'm seeing Anna. Uh, John was there. Mike's wife was there. I'm not seeing them this morning. I'm seeing my friend over there, Jeremy, and I'd like to welcome him here. I think this is his first time with his wife and his daughter. And uh, he was also there. And um, I just want want you to know how much I appreciated it. My brother was there. He flew in from Trinidad, and he's he's... 2,000 miles away, so he couldn't make it this morning. But I just want to shout out to him. Thanks for being there, too, for me. And I had a dear friend who came all eight days that I was in hospital. She was there at my bedside with, of course, my beautiful wife, who, who never left me. Even when she went home, her spirit was there with me. In addition to all of that, everyone knows this gentleman here, and he, he was a tremendous source of inspiration and car- encouragement for all of us. I'm talking about Patrick. You know, um, the minute he heard that I was in hospital, I think he literally flew over <laughs> over the East River and got to the hospital faster than, than uh, Superman. And um, he was of tremendous help in, in supporting Anna and in encouraging me. So thanks a lot, everyone, for, for, for everything. I also just want to make mention of the choir who sing every week and do such a great job. And in particular, I want to thank the, the, the group for that last song that they sang this morning because it was so pacifying and so warm and it made me feel so comfortable. And I'm sure it did the same for Anna and probably for many of you here. So thanks a lot to the choir for their continued work. To talk a little bit about my background, for those of you who uh, do not know me, and I think most people hear me, but I'll still go through it. I'm from an island, from a twin island state in the Caribbean called Trinidad and Tobago. Um, we, we are what I would call a, 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 a God-filled, quote-unquote, society in that we are very religious people there with a lot of religions and religious denominations coming together and sort of, quote-unquote, worshipping is one. We've got a heavy Hindu community, a heavy Muslim community, a heavy Christian community, and... Um, And they they also have an ecumenical community. So from a child, I grew up hearing a lot about God. And, And I wouldn't say necessarily knowing God, but knowing about God. I believe I was called from my mother's womb. Not when I got to the point at which I started to understand some of the deeper things that God shares with us. So I believe I was called from my mother's womb. But when I got to about age 25, 26... God started to turn some screws in my head and some, how should I put it, some, some uh, emotions in my heart or some feelings in my heart and a lot of changes started to come. I started to understand things about his word that I had never understood before and I eventually got baptized around that time and I would love to tell you from there on everything was perfect but it didn't work that way. <laughs> Far from it, After baptism, there have been ups and downs, and for the last 26 years of my life, there have been great times, but truthfully, there have been trials, there have been tribulations, there have been frustrations. So the Christian life is not this perfect life that you live without absolutely any problem. In fact, it is a life that is very similar in many respects to the lives that everyone here lives, those who have committed to Christ and those who have not. The difference is, or I would say for me, the difference was that after I became a Christian, or after I was baptized, my walk with God began. And he was there always, regardless of what has been happening to me, to support me and to encourage me. He has never been any different. He has been consistent. I have been different. For some of you who know me, there are times when I, I drift. And there are times when I come back. I'm drawn to the things of the world, excited about the things of the world. But when I come back, God is always there waiting on me. And you know what's so cool? There are times when He doesn't even wait for me to voluntarily come back. He sets the stage for me to come back, He creates an opportunity for me to come back. He uses trials and tribulations and difficulties for me to come back, and when I, when I do come back, he's always there to comfort me. So that has been my relationship with God for many years. I love God, I adore him, and his son Jesus Christ, and that's what I live for. Uh, about four years ago, we got married. Anna and I, I met this, this beautiful woman from a completely different background, we got married, and we decided, even though at the time she wasn't a Christian, we decided that we would walk according to God's way and use the Bible as the basis for our marriage. Within the last two years, we decided that we wanted a lot of peace in our lives. So we embarked on a a process of getting peace, circumstantial peace, going to the beach, going on cruises, and we enjoyed a lot of peace for the last two years in in the circumstances of the world. And uh, then... On October the 5th, life seemed really, really fine. Maybe I should say on October the 4th, things were going nicely. And then October the 5th came, and all of a sudden, everything got shut down. Everything got threatened. I woke up that morning, and that was the day that I suffered what they eventually told me was a massive heart attack. In doctor's terms, within the medical community, they call it the widow maker. And you could imagine how traumatizing that was. But I'm going to tell you more about it before I steal all the time. (laughs) I'm going to give Anna a chance to tell you a little bit about her background. Thanks.
2: Um, Well, hi, everyone. Um, uh, Well, my background is is a lot different from uh, what Gary just talked about and maybe many of yours. Um, I'm from Germany. I'm from the east of Germany, Germany. and in contrast to his society, mine was mine is, is basically an atheist society. You, you grow up in East Germany. You grow up uh, not knowing God. You grow up not going to church. You're really ever having any conceptualization or any understanding or even knowledge of there being a God or anything outside of what you see. So I, I grew up kind of thinking that I had to rely on my own intellect at all times, that I um, had to derive strength from what is inside of me. And uh, over the years, that changed also when I started coming into contact more and more with, um, as I was traveling around and, you know, doing my college years, started coming into contact with with people who proclaimed to be Christians and were very aggressive towards me and... um, came towards me saying i was going to go to hell i was such a horrible person who you know who i'm i'm looking at these people thinking you guys are such deplorable human beings <laughs> and you actually you're actually standing in front of me thinking you have one over me so that that to me was extremely mind-boggling and turned me into you know Full frontal aggression into the opposite way. So I became very, very cynical, very, um, very anti-Christian, anti-religion. Um, I was mocking people a lot. I'm. It's like, well, well, if you're, you know, so weak that you have to believe in your man in the sky, you know, be my guest. <laughs> and that's kind of um, that's kind of where I came from for many, many years. And then. Um, of all things some some six years ago, with all these kind of negative associations and that history of interactions that was very negative, I meet this guy in New York and he tells me of all things that he's a Christian and that um he um, which was even worse has a close relationship with God <laughs> so, so, and I I, with with my mindset back then, I'm not even really sure how, but we <laughs> I, I really fell in love with him, and we ended up getting married and um and enjoying life together and um i yeah, and as he said, um you know going to the beach, relaxing, having fun, and you know and on, on top of that, I was also a person who um who thought when you talk about peace, I thought peace had to come from you know, external circumstances, I thought in, in my academic mind, um, peace had to come from, you know, big nations sitting at the negotiating table and knocking out a peace agreement or, um, you know, sending aid to help, you know, development aid to help countries get out of poverty. I thought that's how you get to a peaceful state in the world. and. Um, yeah that's that was the mindset and we um yeah up until the 4th of october as gary said we um we were living a very happy life um having a a lovely marriage enjoying each other's company and then um that faithfully yeah. came
0: It's it's been amazing from my perspective watching you know we none of us knew what was happening on october 5th 5th right that's good and uh I remember you guys, even that weekend before, had come out and served at the carnival with us. And it had been just this great day and all this kind of stuff. And and just to see, watching you two over the last two years, journeying from very different beginning points to God was about to bring you to this point of radical change in your life. And uh, it's been amazing to watch how you both walk through that and then what's happened afterwards as well. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like, now that we kind of know what perspective you're coming at this, what was it like on that day when you when you're sitting there and you can share some of how you started to receive the news and you understood this was not just acid reflux, this was something major? What was happening in your mind what How did you approach dealing with this major issue that you're about to face?
1: okay well I um as I said, we were enjoying the summer. Summer passed. It was, it was now fall, and I woke up about 4.30 that morning, the 5th of October. And those who know me, I like to hit the gym very early. So I got up at 4.30. As I came out of bed, all of a sudden I felt this really severe jolt in my chest. And I was wondering, what's going on? What's happening? I had never felt this before upon getting out of bed. So I sort of walked a little bit and kind of like passed it off. And then I woke Anna up. I said, hey, let's go to the gym. Of course, when I wake up at 4.30 in the morning to go to the gym, <laughs> she probably hates me even though she just said she loves me. <laughs> but being the faithful and good wife that she is, she came along. So we went to the gym, drove across to the Y and we started exercising. I went to the basketball court and started shooting some hoops. I love to do that early in the morning. A little kid or a young kid came over, about maybe about teenager, he said, hey Gary, um, not Gary but because he didn't know me, he just came and challenged me to a game and I like nothing better because when that happens, I think I'm Michael Jordan. (laughs) So, I'm playing with a kid, and then all of a sudden, my chest starts hurting me again, and it becomes unbearable, and the game finishes and I walk over to Anna, who is like the only person in the crowd cheering us, and I said to her, sweetheart, my chest is hurting me, let's get out of here. We jumped into the car, and as we jumped into the car, the pain became extreme. I felt like if there was like dynamite lit in my chest and like it was going to explode at any point in time. I started cold sweating, we got home, I got out of the car, we went inside. Uh, I was there just feeling significant pain, vomiting, nausea, anything you could think of that was happening. And I thought in my mind, I'm praying while all of this is happening, and I'm thinking, well, God will take this away just now, it'll go. But then something is telling me it's not going. God isn't responding to the prayer for it to go. It's continuing, and, and I said to Anna, listen, this is bad. I felt I was, I really thought I was going to die at that point, and I said, Anna, you know what, call 911. We were praying in between. She called 911. They came over. The emergency rescue dropped, well, took me into the, 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 the ambulance, and they took me away into New York Presbyterian. Got they're into a room, emergency doctors, everybody's looking at me. And this process went on while the pain continued and Annie's is at my side. We're praying and asking God to help us, asking God to take away this pain. And I realized all along that it's not going. So I thought, well, this was it. But then, all of a sudden, in the middle of everything, this doctor came into the room. This was about four to five hours after we were at New York Presbyterian. And he just said, In front of Anna and I, you're having a a, a massive heart situation. You're losing heart muscle immediately. We need to take you for a procedure to the operating theater. And I'm like, what is he talking about? Anna blurts out, Are you crazy? He's having acid reflux. Why are you saying he's having a, a heart problem? Acid reflux doesn't give somebody a heart attack. The doctor is like, You are. He is having serious heart problems. We need to get him out. We need to take him for for, for procedure. So we had the discussion, and then we asked for him to leave us first to pray. And both of us, we prayed. And as we prayed, I realized that I was praying not necessarily for the right thing. I was praying for God to just heal me. And I said, Father, you know what? If it is your will to take me away at this point, then let it be. Because I know you will take care of Anna, and you take care of everyone around me. But if it is not your will, and I should live, then let that be. But more important than all of that is give me and honor peace. Peace through this whole process. And as we continued praying that way, I felt a peace come over me that I couldn't explain. It wasn't the peace that I was experiencing on the beach or on the cruises. It was an inner peace deep down in my heart. And the doctors came in. And we said, we were ready to do this, and they took me away. And as they were taking me away, I told Anna, hey, call my mom. And then I sat, as I was on the the, the table going, I said to myself, poor Anna, she has no one here. It's just her. She has no family. I have no family. How can I get some support for her? Because she's hysterical at that point and, and, and completely upset and crying uncontrollably. And I remember the last thing that came through my mind as I was going into the theater was call Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and they took me into the theater.
0: I'm glad that was not your last word. Carrie, is final
1: And as they took me into the theater, they started the procedure. I was there lying down. I was at peace. I didn't think that the world was coming to an end, I was happy, I was contented. And the doctors are there working, in my heart, I'm conscious, and they're doing the catheterization, and they're saying, oh, we found the artery, it's blocked, and I'm and, and, and peaceful, and I'm cooperating with them, and they're thanking me for my cooperation, and they're telling me to move my head. It was really a unique experience. I felt at one point like if... I was actually standing away and looking on at somebody who was having this procedure going on on them. It was the most phenomenal feeling I ever had in my life. And then it was over. They had found the blockage. They had opened the artery. They had had put a stent in, and they wheeled me out. As they wheeled me out and I was going back to, to the room, who did I see? Anna and Patrick <laughs> I'm like how did he get here so fast but he was there and all of a sudden Anna who was traumatized when I was going in seemed peaceful when I had come out and I realized that God had sent Patrick to pacify her as he, has, as he himself had pacified me and it was phenomenal what God had done he had given us peace in a time of significant trauma and trouble
0: Anna walk us through kind of not just those moments, but I remember afterwards, we, w- we went in and we saw Gary, and we even both, like, he comes out of the operating room smiling. <laughs> they were like, what is wrong? This is not the normal picture, but even in the following day, you know, we got news could be massive heart damage, there was a blood clot, there was things that complications that we knew at any moment we could, bad news could come. You know, walk me through how you were dealing with Having peace, uh, and how that struggle was in your life during that set of circumstances.
2: Um, Okay, just as a as a warning, the story is really hard for me to tell, and it's really like um, emotional because every time I talk about it, I'm like, like almost like my body's reliving it. So if I um, can't hold it together totally, don't (laughs) bear with me. (laughs) Um, It's also my my. like my my memories and everything from that day and that week is a little bit um, like disjointed and and so it's it it might not all make complete sense um, when we when we, um, when when this initially happened. What what Gary just talked about, um, I I think like from from my perspective how I experienced it, there there probably were signs all along the way. That this was something serious, but I, I think somehow I was something was blocking my my brain or my conscious from the the full brunt of it hitting me at that time. Because I, I looking back at it, I remember the the um, the ER saying something about your heart isn't getting oxygen, but they were very calm and um, and, and he was calm. I even while we were in the hospital for for four hours in that emergency room, and he's just lying there. I'm like, there's no way it could be something serious at this point, because we've been here so long now, like they would have said something by now, and um, I'm like, he... he, and he was so calm and so strong. I and mean, It's probably some really bad acid. I mean, it's like, you know, the kind <laughs> a of... bad acid trip. Gary.
0: Yeah, like, That's really. not really. Okay. <laughs> and,
2: and, and, I mean, I, I saw him, like, not responding to morphine and to anything. And But somehow it wasn't all... It's, I don't know. My, my mind was kind of blocking me. Maybe I was in a little bit of denial. And I just remember everything breaking down completely when this, this man showed up, this this short doctor and I, I I don't even know where he came from. I didn't see him before. I, I just see the back of his head in front of me is like etched into my brain and saying something about heart damage and just blurting out but this crazy guy? Like who does it like, you don't get heart damage from acid. What what is wrong with him? And then all of a sudden, all these people coming in and, and saying he's having a heart attack. He needs to go immediately. He needs to have this angioplasty. And and you know, if, if it was them, they wouldn't even wait. They would be running themselves into that operating room right th- the second. And I just remember like my my whole world collapsing. I don't I don't even know like <laughs> it's it's hard to even like put a, a word on it. And then. I just just remember Gary being very calm and and, and being much more worried about me. I think at one point he told the doctors, can you take her outside because... um and I, I I don't remember being hysterical to be honest either. I I, <laughs> I, I thought I was doing quite okay. I, I I saw myself quietly, you know, kind of sobbing in the corner. But I don't I, I, I don't think I. We both <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, the, the funny thing I I I remember calling Patrick. I don't remember what I said, but I know he. All of a sudden he was there. It must have taken him not even twenty minutes from wherever he came from. I don't I I I, I don't even know how that could have been, but I, I I remember us sitting outside and on that bench outside while Gary was in the in that operating room and at first kind of getting very numb and but at at some point at least calming down and finding some kind of comfort and um Gary's mom had given me a good um a good talking too, over the phone because um I she's like you you're the only one there you cannot let your husband see you cry right now. <laughs> but that's that's gone so it yeah. <laughs> sailed. And uh, so but but after I spoke to her I even got the the I even held it together to you know to an extent where I even could call Patrick because I was I was just I don't know walking around like a crazy person I think and um but the, the funny thing is, once we walked into um, into the room, once he came out of the procedure, he it was absurd. He was he was um, he was so I, I thought he was on drugs. To be
0: honest,
2: <laughs> he was he was completely settled. Like you ever look at someone and think they're just like completely in harmony, like, with themselves, or, you know, almost like someone who just came out after a great spa treatment or something. And do, you,
0: do you remember what he said? He said, like, that was an amazing experience. Yes. I'm like, come oh.
2: He's like, this was a great experience. He's like, I, I have nothing to be ungrateful for. I, I had... Wonderful doctors. Everybody has been so nice. I was at peace the whole time. I, it was a great experience. Like I, I felt such ease and calm. It was it was a wonderful experience. It's, it was weird. I I, yes. I, I couldn't. Truthfully, at the time, I couldn't fully comprehend what what was going on. I was just thankful that he was okay. And um, and it, it kind of like continued that way the whole the whole eight days he was in hospital because there was more. Dramatic stuff happening afterwards. Um, with, as Patrick alluded to, with with the blood clot. With um, when we, when we really only found out afterwards how serious it was when the doctors told us that there was a hundred percent blockage in his main artery. That they called us the the widow maker. I, I mm. can't even explain how that felt like hearing that and hearing like the statistics that this is something that would kill 92% of people, probably this kind of thing and thinking, how could this have happened? We were in the hospital for four hours before he even got to the operating room. Like I, I couldn't understand it. I'm still having trouble like wrapping my mind around it. But, um but I know throughout all of it, he, Gary was fine. Gary was, she, she was, had this, this eerie calm about him, and this this kind of like balance and comfort and harmony. It was it was really inexplicable. I mean, even his family who came to visit, who who you know called called the um, his mother and extended family back in Trinidad to tell them, "Him, um, your son is looking fine, Mrs. Panton, and it's that girl. I don't know about her, but your <laughs> 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 son is
1: looking fine." <laughs>
2: so um, it, it, truthfully, it it it. I I could not have, I could have not um, experienced that on my own. I I was, I was really, it was very traumatic for me. And the only way I feel like I could have gotten through it is because I had Gary in that peaceful state and because I had people like Patrick extending that kind of peace and calm onto me. And I think that was the only way in which I was able to cope.
0: There there was a day you called me, you know, four or five days after this and, uh, You're like, can we talk? And I was like, yes, certainly. And you were like, I was just at the hospital today. And, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. He could have mass, You know, We still, he could die at any moment. And you were like, I just needed to talk to someone. Like, I I need hope from somebody. And I remember you saying, you know, I wanted to run to a social worker at the hospital. And I realized they couldn't give me hope. I, I wanted to to, you know, talk to a doctor or nurse and they couldn't give me hope. And I thought about calling you and you even said, you know, Patrick, you can't answer this and give me hope if if the worst thing happens. And you said, I remember you saying to me, it was the first time in your life that you realized that kind of hope can only come from God. And so, walk me through a little bit, you know, as we have a few minutes here to close about now afterwards. You know, walking through this experience, Anna, how has it shifted and shaped where you are on your spiritual journey of understanding who God is and how he relates personally to you?
2: Um, well, since... It is, it's a, also a difficult question for me to, to put into perspective, um, but since this experience and also the... I mean, it's this experience was almost like the culmination of something mm-hmm. that also started a, probably a few years ago. I... I I used to, like I said before, I used to, um, I used to be very anti anything religion. I used to look at um, at Christians and be very and build up a huge wall. I used to, um, you know, run from anything related to that. And it's so funny because now, if I compare that to now, I'm I'm like surrounded by people like in this building and otherwise who are believers and who I. You know, could count as friends, and who are very dear to me, and who actually are not crazy or in a cult or, or you know, <laughs> the kind of stuff I used to think. I also, um, I also, um, I mean, I was adamant and and certain, convinced in my heart that there wasn't any god, that there was, um, that there was, th- that the boundaries of the world. And to our living experience, to our lives, is is just that what we see. It's in this world, and any kind of happiness or any joy would have to come from from that setting. And I, I most definitely, since that experience, can't say that anymore. I, I really can't, and it's still it's still a struggle for me, um, an internal one, with given my background, especially. But um, I, I I can't say that anymore. I'm in fact. Over the past few years, with everything that kind of was set in motion, it'd be hard for me to not believe that there's a God anymore. And um, I, I still, I, I think my, my mind has opened up a lot. Um, I thought it was way open. And I thought I, you know, had it kind of all figured out. And I, you know, with my kind of philosophical, intellectual mind, I'd explored every corner of everything, and I only like. Over the past few years, realized how close-minded I really was, and um, I'm, I, I, I feel like I learned a lot, and that I've sort of I've grown a lot, but also that there's still there's still a lot of things that are confusing to me that I'm still struggling with, and that I'm still figuring out. That, um, but I guess that's that's probably normal at, at this stage. But um, more than anything, I know that. That what has happened on that day with that experience, I, I I am full well convinced that it was something really extraordinary, something that isn't of this world. Like I, what I saw, in in him, there's there's no way this could have come, mm. from external circumstances. Because, I mean, he certainly wasn't going through anything pleasant. <laughs> so, um, this kind of um, this kind of like undisturbed quiet peace I saw in Gary and coming out of him is is not something he or I or anyone could have brought you know for ourselves and that's I think that's the most important lesson I draw from it and I saw with that with that piece I saw I saw all this stuff I mean I, I think he's an even nicer person now than he ever was even before with this stuff I saw any pride any kind of any kind of you know, kind of bad attachments he had is were gone all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It's like they were all going out the window, it didn't matter anymore. And those are some of the most wonderful things to come out of this experience.
0: I uh, honestly from our perspective it's it's exciting to journey with you on this. Uh, to come alongside and walk and just see how God is revealing things to you and to know we've all walked those paths before too. This is not None of us are born. Uh, even Gary said he felt called from his mother's womb. He still had to have uh, moments where he had questions, and so to be on this journey, that's not a bad place to be. It's a place we all are, and that's a great thing. I want to close with this question for you, Gary. I- I've heard you say, and this sounds ridiculous, uh, if you could go back and uh, go back to Gary before the heart attack, and yeah, you were a good guy and all that kind of stuff, and like not experience the heart attack. You wouldn't choose that. That yeah. you, you really would say, I, I would, if I had to go back and do it over again, I would do this again yeah. because of where you are at on the other side. And then Talk us through, just in these last few minutes, how in the world is that something we can actually say and believe?
1: Well, I, I have so much to thank God for with allowing this heart attack upon me. I, I don't sit here and feel like I should go back to before the 5th of October. Um, this heart attack allowed me, enabled me, or God used it for me to experience his peace among a hundred other things. But the thing that I want to point out here is that it, it enabled me to experience an inner peace, not a circumstantial peace. All my life I've been like looking for peace all over, thinking of the beaches, thinking of having fun here, that type of thing. And then I realized that when these crises come upon us, if we are looking for circumstantial peace in the world to be peaceful, we will never be peaceful at that time. Only God can dig deep down inside of us and give us that inner peace that is necessary for us to live eternally. Because it doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you, in the middle of the most difficult trials and tribulations you can have peace and that's one of the things that that i really really appreciate coming out of this now how how did i have that peace i I believe that god does not leave us hanging and and say to us well you know just don't worry be happy everything will be fine I, i don't think he does it that way there's a book in the bible that i really love and I don't know if I'm supposed to love one book more than the other, but <laughs> but the book of Philippians, I think, is such a powerful book. It's a small book, just about four chapters in it, but it's something that I live by because it motivates me, it encourages me, it helps me every day, sometimes even every hour, every second, every minute. And there's a scripture in that book that, that, that resonates in my heart, literally in my heart, all the time. And that's where God says... Don't worry about anything. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says, don't worry about anything. But as I said, he doesn't leave us hanging there. Don't worry, be happy. He says, don't worry about everything. But then he gives us what I consider to be his antidote to worry. And his antidote to worry is in the next part of that verse where he says, pray about everything. So don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Ask him for what you need, and he will deliver. And um, he ends that verse by saying, or he adds to that verse by saying, if I could find it here. Let's see if I can bring it up. Yeah, he ends that verse by saying, and I'll read now, quote, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we as human beings can understand and then he says his peace will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ and I believe that it's that peace that guarded my heart even though my heart was under attack or my heart was attacking me God found a way to go deeper into my heart then the doctors could go when they were actually opening that space, that, that, that blockage in my artery. And that to me is so tremendous and so wonderful. I'm, I'm so grateful for the experience that he has given me. And I hope that I will have this with me for the rest of my life. I want to end with, with a question. Given what, what we have experienced, how could we ever want to walk And I I mean this from the bottom of my heart without the Prince of Peace in our lives. And the Prince of Peace is Jesus Christ, our Lord.
0: Guys, thank you so much for sharing this morning. I know uh, this has been a a very intimate conversation that you guys have walked through. Um, But to be able to share with us as a church family this idea that your peace was not found in the healing or in the you know, it, it wasn't you. You were excited about things with God because you're sitting here surviving today a heart attack. You were complete in God because of the peace you experienced through that. And I, my question to you is similar to Gary's: is where where is it in your life today that you need peace? That there is just something that is. You know, not right. There's an attack in your life, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. And could we end today just praying for peace? That God would send peace into our lives and we would begin to walk in that peace that we may not understand, but that it comes from God and allows us to experience life not based on
1: circumstances, but through our circumstances. Let's pray together this morning.